it used to be that I could sit behind the desk with this me boss, you employee attitude. You know, why should I hire you? Why, what are you gonna do for me? I think that's kind of flipped now, Todd. I think it's to the point now where there's so much job shopping going on. There's so many opportunities out there. There's 25 help wanted signs between the highway and my office. Hello, innovators. I'm Todd Wyant and welcome to the Bridging the Gap podcast presented by Applied Software. You're invited to join our MEP and construction innovation adventure with the mission to propel this great industry forward. My guest today is Ken Rusk, a blue collar construction business entrepreneur and author of the book, Blue Collar Cash. He has launched multiple successful endeavors over the last 30 years and has an extensive experience in hiring, training, and developing first time job seekers, particularly those without college degrees. Welcome to the show, Ken. Thanks, Todd. Appreciate you having me. Absolutely. Really looking forward to this conversation. So I'm excited to get into it. So I always like to start with how people got into the construction industry. And you have a, a really particularly cool story too. So I wanted to see if you would share that. Well, sure. You know, it all began when I was uh, about 15 years old. My, my high school actually shared a fence with an industrial park. And uh, we used to cut through the hole in that fence to go hang out at the carryout after school, which a lot of kids did. And I just remember doing that and going through this industrial park. And there was several businesses there. One in particular, it just had a lot of high energy to it. There was all the things that kids my age would have liked. There was backhoes and tow motors and there was, you know, uh, dump trucks and a bunch of guys milling around and, and uh, a lot of energy. And, and so one day I, I stopped and I said, hey, what do you guys do here for a living? And they said, well, we basically dig ditches. And, and uh, you know, they, we, we ended up repairing foundations on old buildings. So I said, well, I can do that. You know, I, I need uh, gas money for my car that I want to buy. And I'm going to, I need, you know, money to take out my girlfriend for pizza or go bowling or whatever kids did back then. And um, so I said, yeah, sure, I can do that. So I started uh, digging ditches in the summertime. And then in the wintertime, when I was in still in high school, I would work in the office after school since it was so close. And uh, I just got a kind of a sense of feel for how the whole business worked. I did that for a few years and then they put me on the road uh, to, to opening new franchises when I was 19. So I would go to these different cities and states and open up new companies, branch offices of the one, the main headquarters there. And did that for three or four years and then decided you know, I'm tired of living out of a suitcase, traveling Monday through Friday. So uh, we, we settled here in Toledo, Ohio with, uh, with uh, our first franchise, our uh, first company in 1986. And we have another a branch um, just an hour south of here. So we started with six people. We're at nearly 200 now. And uh, it's been a heck of a ride these, uh, these past 30 some years. That's awesome. I, I love hearing the evolution of it too. I think that's, that's really cool. What do you think is, is one of the, the biggest misconceptions of the construction industry? You know, I, I think it has this really, and, in, and it's only been in the last 20 years or so, this recent kind of stigma attached to it, which I just don't understand. I mean, you know, if you think about it, there's 167 million people considered full-time working in the United States. And at any one time, about 70 some million of those people are doing something with their hands. So roughly half the population is doing something that supports you know, all the infrastructure that we need to do and, and, and the things that keep our economy going. So 
I think the biggest misnomer there is that, well, you are less than if you don't go to college. I mean, if, if you have a, a trade or a skill, you're a carpenter, a plumber, electrician, whatever, that that's less than the, the white collar jobs. And man, nothing could be further from the truth there. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's something that, that kind of really perplexes me, honestly. Well, what do you think changed? You know, it seems like for generations and generations, construction was what people would do. And it was not looked down upon at all. And then, like you said, something switched in the, the psyche of a lot of people. What do you think caused that kind of shift to where we are now? Well, it's pretty clear, actually. Back in the 80s, they decided to take, in their infinite wisdom, they decided to take shop class out of high school, and they replaced those rooms with computers. Now, I know we all had to learn computers. I get that. I mean, we have handheld computers you know, on our hip every day. Um, but I never really thought it should have been a binary choice. Why one versus the other? Why couldn't we have had both? And what that did was it, it eliminated the almost accidental discovery of carpentry, plumbing, electric, welding, mechanics, home economics by kids in high school that would have you know, walked by those shop classes and went, wow, that's cool. I wonder what they're doing in there. So they didn't have the opportunity to discover those things um, it, beyond that point. Now, if you pair that up with the fact that instead of us going in the backyards anymore and building tree forts with lumber that we could find in some old nails and a hammer, which we did, you know, kids are building towns on Minecraft right now on these little screens. Well, that's not the same experience as you know whatsoever. So if you take those two, what I call confluences, multiple influences, and you add them to the fact that colleges have done a really great job of marketing and almost um, steering uh, high schools and, and parents into saying, if your kid doesn't have a college education, he's not going to be successful. And I got to tell you, that's just crazy talk. I mean, you know, I have a lot of friends that are blue collar entrepreneurs and and um, th there is so much value, so much opportunity and so much money, especially now because of those influences um, that people are missing out on. And if they took a good hard look at it, uh, they would they, they'd make some different decisions, I would think. Yeah. So do you think we have a blue collar crisis in America today? Well, there's there's no doubt. I mean, if you think about, you know, for every 10 contractors that are retiring and I mean, the average age of a contractor these days is 52 to 55. So for every 10 of those that are retiring, we're only getting about five to backfill those jobs. So you can see what's going to happen here real quick. You know, you have you have the parents that are kind of like almost unknowingly or involuntarily steering their kids to college is the only way. Then you have this situation where people are retiring. It's creating a huge supply and demand uh, issue. And as we all know, I mean, Econ 101 says where supply is low and demand is high, that's where the money goes. So, you know, we're seeing right now, we're seeing carpenters, electricians, and plumbers making $100,000 a year in our town, okay? They're making more than lawyers are. So it, it's, it's really something that, that it's like an, it's, it's one of those secrets that I think we need to wake people up to because if they did, if they took a good look at it, I think they would, um, they'd steer their kids in a much different direction. Yeah. And not only are they making that hundred thousand plus, they don't have all the student loan debt that the lawyer does for it to take so much longer to get to kind of break even. 
Well, yeah, and, and I have to tell you, I, I, always, I always make sure that I put this in here. I'm not an anti-college guy at all. If, you know, if, if you're going to be the surgeon who's operating on my shoulder so I can get back on the golf course, I'm going to want you to have gone to all the classes and learned everything there is to know before you pick up a knife. If you're, if you're a teacher or if you're a financial guy or if you're an engineer, um, yeah, you have a specific reason to go to school and a specific job waiting for you. And I think that's a, that's a good thing to do. But if you're just going to college because someone tells you you have to, and um, you know, maybe you're going to acquire the skill of beer pong, okay, and, and one of those bland business degrees that we are overproducing like crazy right now, you're going to come out the other side with a bunch of debt and not a lot of prospects. So I really caution people to think about that you know, this thing is starting to flip a little bit to where having just a college degree for the sake of having it is an expensive and sometimes ineffective proposition. So Ken, how do we reach those people outside the industry to drive awareness and create the interest and the buzz for careers in construction? You know, there, there's, there's lots of ways to do it. And there are some pretty good sites. There are some pretty good people that are, are, are working to build communities online communities to talk about this. I think that's one option. You know, there's some pretty good websites like, like Rock the Trades and, and Surehand and, and some of these who um, they really do a good job of trying to promote and, and organize different uh, blue collar influencers to get them in one place. Um, I, I, I actually have a course that's tied to my book called Blue Collar Cash that um, you can take and you can kind of see how, uh, in just a few weeks, you'll be thinking a lot differently about your life because when you think about a career for any reason, Todd, you're thinking about what's my end game? Like, why am I doing this? So it, I spent a lot of time teaching kids because I coach a lot. I've, I've coached hundreds of kids here through my organization in the last 30 years. I spent a lot of time talking about teaching and coaching and, and, and visualization. And uh, those are the things that we need to focus on with our kids so that they can say, well, wow, there's probably five paths that I can take to get there. Let me consider all five of them. Create a common data environment for your team with 360 Sync. 360 Sync automatically transfers, organize, and archives project files across applications. It is the only way to automatically sync project files between your server, Procore, BIM360, Bluebeam, or any other platform you use. 360 Sync is the only document management system designed by and for the AEC industry. Users have automatically transferred over 1 million files and over 2 million syncs. Set it and forget it. Create a common data environment for your team today using 360 Sync. Visit asti.com slash 360 Sync for more information. Curious, when you're talking with kids, what do you see kind of grip their imagination and get them excited for construction? Well, you know, the first thing is this. It used to be that I could sit behind the desk with this me boss, you employee attitude. You know, why should I hire you? Why? What are you going to do for me? I think that's kind of flipped now, Todd. I think it's to the point now where there's so much job shopping going on. There's so many opportunities out there. There's 25 help wanted signs between the highway and my office, okay? So they have so much opportunity to look at different things that they come to you now saying, well, what's in it for me to work for you? 
and, and I'm okay with that because if someone comes to me with a little bit of selfishness, and, and, and I mean that in a positive way, not a negative way, I know that they're in it for themselves and they're going to try to make some great things happen for themselves. Maybe they have a vision of what they want for the future. And once you get someone that has that kind of an attitude, lots of different jobs will get them there. So I, I think for me, it's about how effective will this job be for me? And then what kind of job do I get? Not the other way around. So Ken, how do you balance that sort of cultural clash with the, the kind of historic mindset of construction versus these new people coming into the industry that are going to have that more kind of me mentality uh, that may not have been part of construction in the past? Well, it, it, it's real simple. As a boss, as an owner, as a manager, you really have to start thinking about parking your ego on the shelf for a minute, okay? Um, one of the things that I say to, to the folks here, and they've heard me say this a hundred times, I can't get what I want, nor can my company get what it wants or needs until all of you get what you want first. And I absolutely mean that. And that's true for most companies. If you're talking about a linear company where you have input and then you have you know, the, the, the product building and then you have output, no matter what the industry is, it all starts with what people are doing. So to me, if I can get a lot of people in my organization that are thinking for themselves first and the company second, and, and that can be done very successfully, by the way, then you have this kind of like mentality or this force that drives your, your bus so much further and faster than you can drive it on your own that uh, I think, again, as owners, managers, or bosses, whatever you want to call them, I think we need to take another look at the why for people coming in and really explore that. Because if someone says, man, I can get exactly what I want and need for myself with and through this thing called your company, they're going to stick around and be loyal and hang out for a long time. Yeah, I think when you you start crowdsourcing the good ideas and, and creating that that flexibility, it becomes this domino effect. Yeah, I mean, I, I can tell you that I've had people say, okay, Ken, you've given me the tools, you've given me the goals, I've come up with the things that I want to get in the next three months, six months, one year, three years, five years, now just get out of my way and let me do it. And I'm, I'm happy to do that, because that means I've done my job. You know, if, if I'm someone that's constantly just, you know, nesting these people all the time, yeah, that's not such an effective way to lead anymore, at least not in this day and age. So can you drill down a bit more into that self-interested category? I saw that you wrote, we should plan our careers to support the vision of the life we want for ourselves, not the other way around. And I think that's a, it's a great quote. How do people practically go about taking the power in their careers to make this happen? You know, Todd, that's a really great question. And, and I, I do it in a very simplistic way, okay? Um, what, you know, I, I would ask you when the last time you held a crayon in your hand was, but um, I'm, I'm sure it's, it's a lot of years for me and probably a, little, a few, fewer for you, but yeah, probably yesterday I have three little kids at home, so I use them all the time. <laughs> oh, well then, then perfect. Then this, this is absolutely perfect. So what we do is we actually get poster boards for people and especially those who are having trouble doing this and we give them a good old fashioned box of 64 Crayola crayons 
and they sit down and they draw what they want their life to look like. And we have to remember, we're not all going to aspire to mega mansions and yachts and 15 cars, okay? That's, that's not going to happen for everybody. So a lot of people have this vision for what they think their perfect nirvana would be. In the book, I call it um, uh, comfort, peace, and freedom. What that looks like for each person is unique and individual. So we'll tell them, you know, draw the type of dwelling you'd like to live in. Is it an apartment in the city? Is it a condo? Is it a, a house, a farmhouse in the, in, in the rural areas? Or is it, you know, a, a house in the neighborhood in a suburb? Tell us what your transportation looks like. Are you an electric car person or a pickup truck person, a minivan person, motorcycle person? Put that down. Um, what, what is your hobbies like? Are you a golfer? Are you a, a, a exerciser? Are you a gardener? Whatever that stuff may be. Um, and then talk about, you know, everything, pet ownership. Are you a cat or a dog person? And if so, what color, what kind, and what would you name it? You know, we get down to your, your, your perfect version of a vacation, draw that out. Maybe your give back moment, your spiritual moment, your charity moment, draw those things out and say, man, if I could achieve a life that looks kind of like that, that would be really cool. And then we show them how each one of those things has a series of steps or pathways to get to those things. We chop them up into little pieces and we begin on that path. It's almost like, you know, putting a huge puzzle together uh, on, your, on your living room table. The first thing you put is the edges and then you start filling in the pieces. And that's what we kind of do here. And I can tell you, Todd, as soon as someone gets to the point where they've hit their very first goal, they become this goal crushing machine which is just so awesome to see. So I love that visualization aspect of it. I was a, a collegiate swimmer and my coach was huge on us seeing and, and visualizing the end result of where we wanted to be at the end of the season and then working backwards from there. And it really does work like crazy when you can visualize that goal and kind of see the whole story and, and picture in your head, then figure out those details. Well, yeah, I mean, it, it if you think of two things, number one, get in your car right now, back out of your driveway, okay, put it in drive, and then can you imagine thinking, wow, I have no idea where I'm going? <laughs> you know what I mean? So you typically have a destination. The same thing with a vacation. I don't think, I don't think anything on the planet gets visualized more clearly than my next vacation, okay? Uh, you know, whether you're gonna go to Disney World or you're gonna go to the beach, you're gonna go skiing, or you're gonna go to the mountains or whatever you're gonna do, go fishing. You have that so clearly in your mind. You look forward so much to that, that you're thinking about the fishing gear and the river and the waders you're gonna wear and the plane ticket and the lodge you're gonna stay in. All those things are so clear in your mind. Why isn't your life that way? Why isn't your whole life as clear in your mind as, as, as a typical vacation? And I'm saying that it should be because then you live a life that I call anticipatory, where you're anticipating all these things coming your way. And it's just a much better way to live. The Bridging the Gap podcast is brought to you by Applied Software. With solutions for the modern project, Applied Software is on a mission to transform industries by empowering clients and championing innovation with real world expert consultants. Their comprehensive array of solutions for AEC, MEP, and manufacturing has a singular focus, helping you achieve higher performance. With software, training, support, consulting, and custom development, Applied Software has you covered. Visit asti.com and let them know we sent you. 
I agree. Why do you think people don't do that then? It, it seems like it should be kind of obvious. What's the stumbling block there? I, I think I think people are always stuck in this if-then mode, okay, where you know, if I go to school and if I get good grades and if I get a scholarship and if I get accepted out of college and if I get a degree and then if I get a job and if that job pays well, then I can start living my life. Well, it should be the complete opposite of that. You have to start with the then first, okay? You have to begin with the end in mind, as they say. Start with the then first and then work that way back to today. Most people, um, they just get stuck in this someday world versus the two-day world. And I mentioned that in the book as well, um, the comparison between the two. And, and I think until they understand that they are a heck of a lot more in control of their lives than they think they are, um, then those things will start to happen for them. Ken, what do you think is something that is going to help shape and maybe even define the construction industry in 2022? Well, first off, for for everybody who was on, you know, on, on work leave for COVID, for example, and you attempted to get a deck put on the back of your house or buy some lumber or order a piece of furniture or hire someone to fix your gutters, you know that it cost you a ton of money and you waited forever for that to happen. Okay, so I think people are starting to understand, you know, man, this supply and demand thing can really work for me. Okay, I, I can I can forego that hundred thousand dollars in debt, and, and and do what 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 I call the four hundred thousand dollars swing. If you have a situation where you're paying fifty thousand a year for college, and um, you know that's a four year degree at two hundred thousand, and then you start going out looking for work and seeing what's out there uh, only to some in some cases be disappointed you could have rather started as a, a carpenter's apprentice right out the bat um, and made fifty thousand a year times four years is two hundred thousand in the positive side so that's a four hundred thousand dollar swing in your personal asset base by the time you're what 23 so that could fund a lot of things so I think a lot of people are starting to realize that, but you know, they're, 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 it's going to be a long time before that pendulum swings from that balance I mentioned earlier back to the middle um, from the far, um, the, the far edge of college is the only way to go. So what's then the, the low-hanging fruit that we as an industry or individuals can do to help start kind of pushing that, that pendulum over? I, I think first off, I think we need to really talk about the benefits of, of, of a blue collar job. I mean, there's a guy that I waited for eight months to do an outdoor kitchen in my backyard. And when this guy showed up, I knew who he was. Great guy, really in demand, making a lot of money doing it. He rolls up in this brand new pickup truck. It's like June 15th. It's a beautiful morning. He's got Led Zeppelin on the radio. He's got a big uh, mug of coffee. He's in his, his jeans and his t-shirt and his work boots. And he hops out of that truck, happy as a lark. He had his crew with him. They jammed music all day long. They built this beautiful kitchen in my backyard, stone, hand laid stone and everything. It was awesome. And at the end of the day, you would see them stand back and kind of lean on their shovels and do what I call the stand back moment where they look at this thing that they just created and they go, wow, 
That is, look at what, what, what we just did. That is beautiful. And that will stand the test of time. That'll be here for a hundred years. And, um, and we did that. And I just don't think that you get that, Todd, from the 15th floor in a cubicle somewhere where you don't really know where you fit in or what you're doing, how it affects the whole piece of the machine. So I, I think the fact that you can control your input, your output, the quality of your work, the quality of your time, the, the, the scheduling of your time, and the financial rewards, I think that's kind of an unsung hero thing that we really need to start putting out there because these are great lives if you just choose to lead them that way. I agree. There's a lot of pride and, and purpose that is pretty clear in construction that, that you don't necessarily get as clearly in other industry. Let's say that we are successful, though, in attracting the, the new people into the trades that are coming in right out of high school over the next couple of years. What does that do to the industry? What does it look like? How does it kind of reshape construction? Well, I look at it this way. There's probably a normal uh, supply chain for things. Like I would think that if you find a good carpenter, you should be able to get him to your house within 45 to 60 days, not a year. <laughs> I, I think that the prices will probably level off a little bit to where, I mean, right now they're just out of control, some of the prices you're getting. And it's only because of the demand on these you know, more rare individuals time. So I, I just think that as, as it gets healthy again, um, you'll start to see a kind of a more normality return to this. And, and, you know, that pendulum will swing back towards the middle where we say, look at, you know, if you have a family of four kids, unless you know, you know, exactly what their future is going to be, there's a good chance that one or two of them might be better off you know, being some type of a craftsman or a craftswoman or something where they can earn a living that way. So um, I think it's just going to kind of ha naturally have to come back to the middle and, and I'm doing what I can to, to help that out. Yeah, that's great. Well, what's something that you learned last year in 2021 that you would recommend others incorporating going into this year? Uh, well, I, I can tell you this. First off, we all know about you know, the whole thing about, about health and, and keeping yourself healthy. You know, there's a reason that's, that's, that I think some people um, were, were more easily susceptible to some of these diseases than others. And it, 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 to me, it just seemed like, you know, if you really took care of yourself and you took your vitamins and you ate well and you exercised and you slept well, you had a better chance of dealing with those diseases when you went, went through them. And all I can tell you is, I, I think it's incumbent upon all of us to be thinking like that because even in a non-pandemic scenario, you know, we should all try to strive to be as healthy and energetic as we possibly can, get rid of some of those bad habits because you know, it, it, it's not only affecting you, it's affecting the people around you, your family, your friends. So for me, it was all about, wow, we should really take stock in what we're doing to ourselves on a daily basis and how we just pollute and beat on ourselves and maybe kind of thin out that a little bit and, and get back to living a better way. I'm all for taking care of yourself by, by eating healthy, exercising well. I think that makes a, a huge impact on a whole host of issues for sure. Well, let's get into the, the book a, a bit more. I'd love to hear what the kind of main motivation for writing the book. And, and side note, it's, it's a great book. I, I 
recommend anybody getting it for sure. Well, I wrote Blue Collar Cash to to prevent, you know, one kid from going down the wrong path. If I can catch one, I'll tell you a quick story. I had a uh, a car that was going in for repairs that they had ripped the dashboard out. It was a nightmare. It's going to be down for like three weeks. So they had me rent a car. I go to the rental car agency and there's this kid that comes out from behind the desk. He's like 23 and he had a three piece suit on and it felt like every piece was from a different suit, but he was really working it. I mean, he was trying to be the best foot forward that he could put. And, um, he came out and we talked for a while and I had to wait for an hour to get this car for someone to bring it back. And, I talked to him about his, his personal scenario. And he said, you know, he says, I, I went through college. I have like 80 grand in debt. I didn't want to go. Um, now I'm here making 28, five a year at this car re, uh, rental place. And I don't know when I'm going to pay that off. I mean, when do I get to start living my life? Okay. I think I got sold down the river a little bit. And he goes, and, and the thing is, is I really like being outside. I really thought I could be a good carpenter. And I said, well, well, then go do that. Okay. Go do that as soon as you possibly can, because if you're passionate about it, you're going to make, you're going to make a good living doing it. So I guess if I could prevent one person from going through that, um, it, it would be a good thing. I have a lot of great friends that are blue collar entrepreneurs that went through the most horrific circumstances only to come out of the other side um, due to their hard work and their work ethic. And um, for me, it was all about you know, should we not just step back a minute and say, look at all your options, figure out what you want your life to look like first, and then let's look at all of our options and, and, and all the different paths that it takes to get there, because there's many of them, and uh, you should at least take a look at some of them. Love hearing that, that motivation for the book. How do people either get a copy or find out more information and connect with you? So you can go to KenRusk.com. And um, you can see uh, there, there's a bunch of buy buttons there. There's Amazon, Barnes and Nobles, all your independent bookstores. Don't forget those. And um, I do want to say that when I built this course, it's a it's it's a ninety nine dollar course that you can buy, and it you get a free twenty four dollar book with it. And um, for every one of those that people buy, I donate one to a, a child in need in 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 uh, in in the inner city or wherever um, I can do that. And, um, you know, for, for me, it, this isn't about selling books. My life has been really, really good without this whole project. So um, this is kind of like my way of giving back. You know, they say to whom much is given, much is expected. So for anyone out there that is thinking about, thinking about doing this, you not only would help yourself, but you're going to be knowing for sure you're going to be helping some, someone else in the process. So um, feel free to go out and pick it up and, and let me know what you think. I'd love to hear your feedback. That's awesome. I think your passion for this more than shows there. It's really inspiring. Thank you. Well, final question for you, Ken. What does innovation mean to you? Innovation. Oh my God. I, I love this. Innovation to me means thinking outside the box. And, and that, that, that's what makes our entire world work is when somebody looks at something and, you know, sometimes you see these products that you find on TV and you look at them and you go, man, why didn't I think of that? You know, I should, I had that idea a long time ago and I never did anything with it because you never did anything with it. But yeah, for, for people to take, you know, the current state of whatever it is and look at it and go, man, I think there's a better way to do that. Let, let's improve upon that or let's make a commercial use into a home use or into an industrial use. I just love the ability for people in this country to think and think outside the box and change and create things. So love that word innovation. It's a good one. 
Well, Ken, thanks so much for joining the show. I, I really enjoyed this conversation. That was great. Yeah, thanks. Thanks for having me, Todd. I really appreciate it. And now it's time for my Todd takes from this episode. First, we as an industry need to reach out to different audiences, especially high schoolers, and get them interested in the construction industry by sharing what is actually happening. There is a great career path in the trades. Second take, take ownership of your career and path forward. It is okay to look for win-wins and ways to progress your career into areas of particular interest. As Ken explained, this can actually lead to a productive company mindset. Visualize the end goal and work backwards to create your roadmap. And finally, find your passion and let it show. Then don't be afraid to go for it. Love that Ken paired innovation with being bold. It takes bold action to move things forward. Thanks for listening to this episode. If you are interested in learning more, you can visit our sponsor, Applied Software, at asti.com for more information. You can listen to this podcast anytime by simply going to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Also, be sure to check out our website, bridgingthegappod.com. As always, I'm Todd Wyant, thanking you for joining us on the Bridging the Gap podcast. Keep innovating. Bridging the Gap is hosted, directed, and produced by Todd Wyant. Edited and produced by Eric Daniel. Bridging the Gap is an applied software production. Copyright Applied Software 2022.